0: Media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Well, good morning indeed. It certainly is. It's a good morning because uh, I think the country is in the midst of a summer and it's a summer heat wave across most of the nation. But it's also a good morning because we're going to talk brand communications, media, marketing, PR, all that sort of thing for the next uh, two hours. As per usual, you can call in. And if you do so, short, sharp calls, certainly welcome. 0891104207. 0891104207. You can also, um SMS 34701 and you have the option to tweet which is at Ashraf Garda as well as tweet to SFM Radio and post comments on the respective Facebook pages as well. And I can tell you now a really varied show coming up and right at the very end we'll be chatting to the winners of the CNN Africa Journalist of the Year Awards. And I can tell you now the good news is that they are from South Africa. The Daily Dispatch. Great investigative work, we'll tell you more about that And we'll talk to them much later on However, let's start then with a the, with the big debating issue for now Which is the, the not so much the future of magazines I suppose to a degree we've discussed that But it's going to come up anyway Because what we're thinking about Is certainly what I certainly thought about chatting to uh, my producer, Matapela Which is, you know, when we talk about magazine today um, In a competing market, magazines, newspapers, online That sort of thing uh, Then what... Now is a key selling point in a magazine. So, if you're a magazine editor uh, or owner, what what would you see as a key selling point it'll get people like me and the rest of the country, you listening as well, to actually buy a magazine? So, let's uh, let's tackle it. In fact, two guests we have: Giselle Wirtamees is uh, the publishing editor of Longevity as well as owner of the Stuff magazine. Giselle, good chatting to you. Hi. Morning, Ashraf. How are you? I'm very good indeed. We also have Adrian uh, Pickstock, who's the Group Publishing Director of Associated Magazines. Adrian, good chatting to you. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good indeed. Well, we'll find out more about how you guys are with regard to the magazine industry. Giselle, let's start with you. Firstly, maybe just a quick one. uh, Your quick assessment of the state of the magazine industry in this country.
1: I think, firstly, uh, the safety magazine industry, I think magazines are actually holding up pretty well considering the economics because, again, you know, I think what a lot of people forget, we we talk media and we talk about being under pressure, you know, because there are other media forms. But it's not just that. We're really sitting in an economical situation where consumers are under a lot of pressure to decide where their rams go. So they are consuming less. There's no question about it. They're time short. And in some categories of consumers... They, are, you know, they have less resources to buy three or four magazines a month that they might have done in the past. So they would have whittled that down. And as a magazine publisher, I think the challenge is to make sure that you're now one of those one or two that they do buy in the month because you don't have the benefit of them having more choice. So I think that we have to always you know, contextualize this. And you know, we, we work in a global world. So when we look at other countries, we see exactly the same kind of trend where magazines really are competing. It's a it's an issue around time, but it's an issue around economics, not just around whether there's more digital um content available or television or radio for that matter of fact, or even outdoor or cinema.
0: Okay, I indeed. think
1: um I think that's important to consider.
0: All right, we'll certainly pick up on that in a minute. Adrian uh Pickstock from Associated Magazines. Your your thoughts, state of, of the magazine industry? Yes, I think
2: um, I agree with you, It is it is a particularly tough time and um, the, the local uh, economic circumstances certainly don't help. Um, but the, the change in consumer habits are, are also you know, providing us with a sort of challenge, but also a much uh, a, a much needed opportunity. And I think any magazine publisher here in South Africa or globally, um, if, you, if you haven't got a plan for the future, if, you have, if you're not looking at how you can um, meet your audience requirements in different ways, then I think you would need to be very worried. So I think, you know, thankfully, um, the South African industry and I certainly have associated, we have got quite forward-thinking plans as to how we can meet these requirements and, and ensure that we can um, you know, really deliver our content to our audience in the way that they want them. And I think that's really the, that's, that's key. I think you know, if you're going to stick to your games and, um, and, and not consider the options, then you will have problems.
0: Well, you see, what's interesting, Giselle, and maybe you can answer this, You know, if we spoke about the landline telephone industry, you may say, well, if I'm in it, I'll try and adapt. But if I'm on the outside, the option would go the mobile route anyway because that appears to be where people are going. But in your case, for example, you've just acquired a new magazine fairly recently in terms of of stuff which says that in spite of some of the problems and maybe a trend that says maybe less physical purchases, uh, you still see it as a viable business option, right?
1: Absolutely, Ashraf, and more recently I've acquired L&L decoration as well. That's right, yeah. um, So really, you know, if you look again, I mean, the one great thing about being at the lower end of Africa is we lag a little bit around what's happening in the rest of the world, and I'm sure my counterpart will also express this to you, when you're involved with international brands, you get a good look into what's happening around the world and how they're progressing, and they kind of get hit, first of all, with all these Challenges and magazines are actually faring pretty well in in developed, even in developed countries where digital is far more pervasive. The, the speed the light, the, the, light, the speed of the lines for people to download is much better than South Africa and Africa, and yet we are seeing. I mean, L in the U.S. just published 650-page magazine. A 650-page oh, wow. magazine. It's extraordinary. So. Um, you know, Vogue also had their biggest issue ever in, in America three months ago. So I think, you know, this idea that, you know, magazines may may not have such a wonderful future, I think, is is a misguided one. I think what we have to do is we, again, obviously, we have to adapt to the changing consumer who is able to download more information digitally as they are able to watch more television and listen to the radio. And there's just so many more choices. I mean, you're more radio stations being granted licenses. We have TV launching new and new channels every, you know, other six or seven months. So I think we have to just accept that the media environment is highly competitive and competing for people's time. So let's have a look at what value we're going to add. And I think that's where the focus is. So what do magazines have to do exactly as you asked, to grab that attention? And it's about delivering value for money and really – keeping that connection going with the reader, which is what we have. We have this wonderful um, relationship that exists between a person, a consumer, and their m- magazine, very much almost like often a friend, they'll be a, a companion, mm-hmm. um, and it's a long relationship. It's not a fleeting relationship that happens for half an hour, an hour, once a day. It's, magazines are kept, and I know I was told the other day of someone when I bought Elle, she said, oh, you've got to meet my friend she has every single copy of since it launched in 1996. I mean, that's extraordinary. So, you know, this is a relationship that often people have with their magazine. It's a very close relationship. We really need to build on that, and we need to make sure we deliver the value. Okay, so that you, if you
0: want that that loyalty, how in fact do you you get that loyalty, and not blind loyalty, but an actual relationship, an actual relationship that is. Adrian, pick stock. Let, let uh, pick stock rather. Let's let's talk about some of the specifics. Then you know, uh, in terms of USPs, the importance of the cover. Yeah. Well, well, let's well, get Adrian on first here. The
2: cover is, is always going to be the, the strongest card for the magazine. And, and we spend an extraordinary amount of time and money out my head um, in making sure we get that right. But, but I think, just coming back to Giselle's point, I think the, you know, the, key, the key to this is, is understanding the audience, and I think the demands in this area are becoming greater. And I think we know we, in, in days gone by, well, the, the olden days, as we call them, which really was last <laughs> year, the, the, the fundamentals of publishing magazine were relatively straightforward. But I think now it is becoming more complicated and far more complex but I think thanks to technology, we do have the ability now to really, really assess and understand, get a much deeper understanding of what our audiences want from us. Um, and and you know, we can do that through our, our, our CRM systems or through our content management systems and so on. But unless we get that understanding absolutely spot on, we will lose readers to our, to our brand and then we will lose those relationships. But the upside is, of course, as we do understand them better, um, we can in, indeed extend the relationship that we have. Um, and I think that's, that, that's the important bit. So I think when you, when you ask about the USP of of magazine yeah. publishing, I think it's changing dramatically, and I think as publishers, it's absolutely important that we you know we keep really uh, abreast of what these uh, requirements or demands are.
0: Okay, so you know, your your thoughts then regarding well, maybe you can touch on the cover, but as you answer that, just talk to me about whether the the, the strength lies in in being a general magazine or or a niche market magazine. Of course, and you've dabbled in both. Yes,
1: I mean, look. I think they. Uh, We have to sort of cover the cover of life and death stuff, you know, at the moment. I mean covers are fascinating, science all on their own. And of course you get the whole issue of the cover incentive. So, you know, one thing that magazines are able to do because they exist in the physical realm, is that we are able and and we you know, we are packaged in such a way when we are presented on retail, is that we are able to also offer you know, added value to readers, which, again, you know, newspapers find with great difficulty because it's not practical to get that out and distribute it. And, of course, the, you know, other mediums can't do it. So we have that ability to, to, to be able to put perfume samples in, to be able to put added value gifts that, again, really enliven the experience of the consumer so that they really get to feel and experience the brands that we talk about and that we write about. So I think, again, these are some of the differentiating things. But really what magazines do is they really unpack they really unpack data and information and trends in in a in a in a in, a, in a, generally in a luxurious way even the more general magazines if you consider the average production values of magazines are very high there are very few magazines today where the production values you know are are, are of a low standard I mean printing presses and techniques and investment in magazines even the weekly magazines you know the the paper's good it looks good the art direction's great so I think that this is really again what you cannot it's a tactile experience and humans are tactile we all want to be touched or be all touch it's just part of who we are it's our makeup and I think that's Kind of again, what makes, you know, what differentiates the medium is that we have this physical engagement with it. It's not ethereal, it's not slighting. So I don't think we can if I underestimate that. and I think when humans lose that I think I'd be very concerned because I think it's not really human.
0: Okay, and of course you you've got proof that in fact people want that touch, right? O eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. Uh if you have an opinion, well, simple question, why do you buy magazines? Why do you buy a magazine? When you have other options, uh if you wish to give an answer, I'd probably happy to take just maybe two or three maximum in terms of calls, oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. Adrian let's then talk about, about for you the importance of, you know, speaking to that Market in terms of do you speak niche? Do you speak generally?
2: Oh, well, I think it depends on the brand, of course. Because we, you know, across our brands, um, that requirement differs. So, for example, House and Leisure, uh, as a magazine, it's, it could be regarded as being very niche, and so we need to tackle those uh, those niche demands if you like of, that, of, of the the the, 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 the deco and, and leisure um, sector. And Cosmopolitan, you know, much broader, um, and so we. uh, Again, it comes back to understanding what the people want from us, but Cosmo would be a much broader requirement. Um, But yet, in in the grand scheme of things, it is is a niche magazine. It's a women's lifestyle mag. So, you know, I don't know. We don't have – we don't really publish general mags, and I think in in time, I think these are going to become more difficult to, to produce. I think the, the niche, once you, know, you understand the passions of your, your reader, you can you can for those three niche magazines. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, yeah, and I
1: think... So, well,
0: uh, me, yeah, carry on, Shazelle, sorry, Yeah,
1: yeah Shep, I think, because I, I didn't answer when you asked me, and I yeah. think what's interesting is the world that we're all working, you know, living in now is around that, is around more individualization that, you know, I mean, even digitally, you can download and customize a magazine to suit you. You can choose what content you want downloaded. Um, Flipboard is a very good example of how you can curate your own tweets and the people that you follow, for example. You know, on Facebook also they do the same thing. So I think we live in this environment where individualization is becoming the norm, not generalization. So I think that's the, the again for niche magazines, obviously it's it it works better to that to that kind of formula because we're really now moving But there's still A poor mass of people Who are not As sophisticated Or have not Got into that space And I think That's the interesting part About being in Africa mm. Is There is actually still A huge amount Of untapped potential Because we're not developed We are still A developing economy And a developing continent
0: Well I mean I, I, I must say Just a personal opinion uh, Considering that we have to Consume so much of Information every single day That if I sort of Pass a newsstand And, and there's a magazine Again of general interest With a bit of gossip I'm more than likely To leave it Because I think I think I can gather information elsewhere anyway. However, if I pick up a magazine that talks about, say, Africa's top 50 businessmen, for example, yeah. there's a good chance that that's the magazine I'm going to yeah. pick up. You know, whether it's that or let's say even your, your stuff magazine because it's particularly niched. So sure. that, that's where we go. But let's move on to the importance of price. Adrian, your thoughts? You know, how much of a variable, if we're looking at a sophisticated market, does 5 rands or, or, or 10 or 20% change uh, the reason people buy or don't buy?
2: I think it goes back to the point you just made. I think when your your content is specific and and tailored for a certain market, it it does retain its value. But in saying that, we're very conscious of the environment, the the, the local uh, economic environment, and and the cover price generally, um, we we, we wouldn't be looking at increasing cover prices dramatically over the years because we understand what the markets are like. But in saying that, as I said, the the value is there, and and we stand by the value, and... um, you know, if you look at some of the other few markets in the states in particular the, the, the cover prices there are very very low, but I think they've um they they have a different scale so they can the, um, the economic uh, outcome is quite different but i think no we you know, our, our cover prices are pretty stable and, and, and we understand that the pressures that the consumers are under mm.
1: your thoughts is so, cover uh, I think it's all linked to value so. You know, we talk about, I was taught about this term of probability by an international publisher, and he said, really, you know, the consumer equates what they spend with what they get. So if you have a magazine that's not, you know, it's not robust, it's not providing a lot of content or pages, so maybe it's a magazine and there's no real value to it and it has a, in the consumer's mind, a higher price, um, Level than what the value is, then absolutely it's going to affect you. And I think this is, again, it's a science of how you balance the two because when you in an economy we are in now, it's very difficult to publish 650 page magazines. I can tell you. It's, you know, in, in fact, in South Africa, I don't think there's one magazine that's ever got to the levels of what the US magazines get you. But now you can imagine that at 650 pages, the USL. You know, published with the same cover price that they would normally have, which would be about two, three dollars. Okay. So close to 40 rand. Now the perceived value of that is massive. It's a bit like when you, you know, when you buy a magazine and you get a free pair of sunglasses. It's all very debatable, you know. Lot of debatable <laughs> you buy the
0: sunglasses. Yeah. The
1: value—they don't even feel that, that money. And I can tell you, I mean, I've, we know that we often pick up readers who are not even buying the magazine necessarily for that, but to get the value. So you you hope that they'll test the magazine out and they will stay with you. It's a wonderful way of 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 sampling, almost of getting and getting some you know economic um, exchange for it. So I think it's about that. And I think if you go and you're too radical with your cover price increase and you don't deliver the value you are going to find it very difficult, especially in more generalised
0: segments. Yeah, Yeah. which which means then, Adrian, that, you know, if if you're sort of buying because of the sunglasses for the day and there's a perceived bigger, uh, better value for that day, you're buying. But overall, you have to deliver consistently because you certainly don't want the one-off customer, right? You want that same person to come back next month or next week to buy it again. No,
2: that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, there's a cut strategy that most publishers in this country um, employ. is is really about ensuring that you're capturing or you're acquiring... People beyond your loyal audience. And and, and you know, one is, as a publisher, one, one has to the quality of our content and the, the production and design values are such that, that, that the person will pick, pick the magazine up you know, the next month and the month after that. So it is really just you know, it's a, it's a method of, of throwing the net to a wider market, I guess. What? You know, yeah. it's just going into the
1: cover side, it's, it's such a fascinating area because. You know, there are a whole lot of international magazines that get sold in South Africa every month. You know, they're distributed, and there are often back issues. And it's a very viable business for some of the distribution companies. I mean, you can go into your supermarket, and you will see magazines coming from all over the world. And the average cover price is because they've got to ship you know, freight them in and all that. You, you can pay 100 Rand for a magazine. I mean, very easily. It's not difficult. And, the, and it's a viable business. So it, it, what, what, what I say to you is this whole quantum is really about who your audience is. Again, understanding really the level of which they're prepared to accept the economic exchange. And I had a fascinating thing talking to an editor the other day where they use variable cover price increases on some of the issues where they add value. So they actually put the cover price up when, when they add value, which is a very interesting technique. And their sales actually go up when they do that. <laughs> so really? you know, it's not yeah. going to work for everyone, but it's just about finding what your formulas and what value you're delivering
0: okay now unfortunately there's so much more I'd love to talk about I can't do it today but I will ask you one question to both of you to, to end with which is just the importance of then in marketing uh, so, so one thing is getting it all right in terms of editorially but then how do you market the magazine in these times uh, Aaron your thoughts firstly
2: yeah <coughs> that's a critical question and um, for, from our point of view it, it is about um, again I keep on coming back to Giselle so it's about to understand the audience um, we, we are embarking on a, um, a, very, a very, very complex marketing strategic plan as we speak, actually. And, and the whole idea is to make sure we're positioning the brand properly and that we can, if we can interrogate our audiences and get a very, very good understanding of what they want, when they want it, how they want it, that's going to help us immensely in how we, you know, how we position the brand and how we market them. So, and how we market them, of course, is a multitude of ways now with, within our own properties, but across, um, across social media, um, across our own digital properties and so on. But but I think it comes kind of back to that understanding. I think it's a bit, as I said, on the olden days, have gone. Um, and it, and now we need to have a deep, deep understanding of of, um, of our readers' requirements and, and make sure we meet in those, both from a content point of view, but also from a marketing perspective.
0: Yeah, Giselle, your thoughts, marketing?
1: Okay, all uh, right, Ashraf. I think the most critical thing for us as publishers is to work with retail. Retail... You know, we have to be a point of sale. This is where a lot of the purchase um, yes. happens. Mm. You can have TV ads, you can do your serum, you can be tweeting away, going on your Facebook. But if a person walks into the store and your magazine is shoved under five others on the bottom shelf, or is not even on the shelf because you, you know, you you're deemed by that retailer not to have a big enough sale now for them, and they they've changed their facings, you're finished. And I think the big the big worry for me is with you know the the crunch coming and a lot of us as publishers there's this need to kind of retract on print orders which means less facing in stores. And I think we've really got to work really closely with retail to make sure that they value magazines and that they and that they support magazines so that we can continue to to grow and thrive. And, and
0: I take it you succeed in doing just that in in, in sort of coercing them the need to actually put your magazine or magazines up front at point of sale as opposed to uh, whatever you know a CD, CD player of sorts. Yeah,
1: exactly. And we we really have to retain that. We've always been in front of store. We've always been there. And I think that's that's the place that we have to really fight for and make sure. And we work closely with them, and we add value to them as well because they're in the same business as us. They're trying to make a living. They're trying to sell. They've got a business. They've got a shop. And I think that this is really um you know key a key strategy and certainly one where we try and focus a lot on. Okay, that's
0: know. that's in fact where we're going to leave it. As a fascinating chats. Giselle Wittem uh, with Ames aims was a publishing editor, longevity amongst other magazines as well as Stuff, and a whole lot of others too. Adrian Pickstock from who's the group publishing director of. Uh, Associated magazines I'll leave you with this one here To the listener In terms of you Looking at competing interests And why magazines Have got to get it right Otherwise people won't buy them uh, is, Is a quote from None other than Jane Raffaele Ironically saying, Talking about Twitter Saying it's like an addiction And it's very Very difficult To fight this particular one it is completely legal. That's the challenge that I think magazine owners or publishers certainly face to try and move away from that. Right, talking about uh, marketing of a different sort. So we've been, you, you know about this one, this big spat between the DA and the ANC regarding the DA billboard, certainly in, in, in some parts of the, uh, of the metropolitan areas. What about the legality of it all? Let's see if it checks out. We chat about that right after this.
1: Hi, I'm Valen Kirky. I'm a Shake the World ambassador, which means that I support the 8 Millennium Development Goals set by the United Nations in 2000. Lime green, orange and dark green bees adorn my wrist
0: because I support Goal 2, achieving primary education. Goal number 3, promoting gender equality and empowering women. And Goal 7, ensuring environmental
1: sustainability. These are massive tasks which will need the energy of millions. My support is how I shape the world.
0: How do you shake the world? Shake, shake. This is
2: SAFM. Being born with retinal blindness is like being locked inside yourself, half seeing, half blind. But now there's a cure in sight, and the key is gene therapy. Soon, through this miracle of science, thousands of children will get the gift of sight. Join Retina South Africa in making their dream come true. SMS DREAM to 38267 and donate 10 Rand or go to www.acureinsight.org.za. Free SMSs do not apply and prices exclude VAT.
0: Every weekend, SAFM brings you the people at the center of the stories. We give you a clear perspective on national and international events. Find out how on Weekend AM Live from 6 every Saturday and Sunday morning. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Listen up for Shop Shop Children's Programme on SAFM with Leon Fisser at 10 minutes to 2, Tuesdays and Thursdays.